The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Great greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's podcast. I'm John Howard and I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is Mark Guillen, uh, who we hope to talk to about all things broadband. He's with Crown Castle. They build out infrastructure. They're working on 5G right now. Um, uh, broadband has been a an issue in Sacramento, a political issue for many, many years, as well as a technological issue. Um, and so I guess my first question is, uh, what's so good about broadband? Why does everyone want it or everyone need it? Well, first of all, uh, just Tim and John, thanks for having me today on your uh, program. I really appreciate that, and I'm excited to educate or you know share as much as I can about our industry and about broadband. Um, so you're asking me about why broadband is so important. So in a nutshell, I think everybody can agree that uh, our demand for our broadband and data are, are growing and growing every, every, every day. And, um, you know, we see it in the products that we buy. We see it in, you know, how we expect our cell phones to work. And especially now during a pandemic, we're seeing it as everyone's working remotely and learning remotely that um, the demand that we need to do those things and perform our jobs and run our businesses, uh, you can just imagine, um, you know, how taxed our, our infrastructure is. Has, has that made it harder for you, uh, uh, for you folks, the pandemic? Is it harder to build this out now? Is it harder to get it back up? you sort of waiting for when this thing is over or at least eased a bit to get back in full mode, or has it not affected you that much? Well, fortunately for Crown Castle, we are considered essential, and so we just continue to work. All of our staff are busy doing what they do, and we're still building and, and working on uh, getting permits approved and and just deploying in general. So um, we're still doing that through the pandemic. Happy to say that. You know, one of the issues um, that's come up over the last month especially has been whether or not or how schools will reopen in the fall. And I'd seen some uh, briefing material about needing 765,000 computers and 416,000 hotspots uh, as a way of making sure that we're okay when our, when students go back to school. I'm just wondering, in a, in a year of a budget shortage, unprecedented budget shortage, is there, how, how, uh, how real is it being able to get enough money to cover those kinds of numbers, that kind of equipment? Well, well first of all, let me, let me talk about the devices. We, early on in the pandemic, uh, as a company, we, we did realize very quickly how important it was for for our students to have devices in their hands, whether that be a laptop or a tablet um, or something similar to that. Um, and so, so we have a, a corporate social responsibility program called Connected by Good. And so through Connected by Good, we were able to, um, to kind of assist in that demand in all the markets that we serve with providing those devices to, to school districts and to organizations that are helping to relieve that need. And so we, we know that that's a problem. 
Um, unfortunately, even for a company like ours, we, we just simply don't have the resources to meet that demand. I mean, there are still many, many students who, who don't have those devices. And so we do know that that's important. But, but when you think through that a little bit more, and I think you'll, you'll agree with me, um, you know, having devices in, in students' hands is one thing, but the reality is is that if they don't have connectivity at home, and, and we're not talking about just, you know, they're able to get onto the internet, but we're talking about conductivity that will facilitate their needs. So that might be being able to stream video in their household, being able to submit documents and uploading books and all that kind of stuff. Like, like that's what we talk about when we talk about having a robust connection. It's being able to do all the things you need from your home. Is there any minimum standard for what you mean by robust connection? I know download speeds uh, have changed over the years, have gotten better and better and better. And I can recall when I had a dial-up, I, I was ecstatic. I had a 14.4K modem. Then they had a 28.8K modem. And then, hallelujah, 53K modem, 56K modem. I couldn't believe. It was like I'd been in heaven. And going to uh, cable internet, you know, there was 25 megabits download, then 50 megabits. Now it's more than that. Fiber optic, I think, gigabit download, downloads are not uncommon. Is there some benchmark that you use to to say, well, students need X megabit download, X speed in order to function properly? Is there some uh, yardstick you use? Well, well, that's a really interesting question. And you kind of touched on it already. But, you know, the, the infrastructure has been delivering access to the Internet for, for a number of years. I mean, this, this is not new about us bringing Internet to the household. But, but what's really changed is the demand. And so, you know, previous generations of, of wireless Internet, you know, talking about 3G and 4G, you know, they were designed to deliver a certain kind of amount of data. So, you know, traditionally with your cell phone, you would, you know, talk about having voice, you know, delivered and or, or text. And so, you know, we live in an age now, not only do we expect full on video and movies to stream and large data to upload, but we have a whole bunch of other devices that are connected in our homes as well. So when you start thinking about the ring at your front door and, you know, your wireless TVs and maybe you have a refrigerator that connects to the Internet. And, and, and in reality, I've seen studies where um, every typically every home that's connected has num a huge number of devices that, that they need to connect to the Internet. So in, in essence, all those devices together, including your laptop that you may be trying to learn with, it's making a huge demand for data. So um, this is why, you know, when you when you see us talking about upgrading the infrastructure or using fiber, a fiber network and building out that fiber network, the reason we talk about that is because um, fiber is the technology that we have today that will be able to uh, facilitate that demand to the households. You know, I don't know if this is in your bailiwick or not, but there, there was a lot of discussion fairly recently about having um, wireless, municipal wireless that would be available to you. Uh, you know, you're walking along the street, you're sitting in a downtown park, uh, you're in traffic, you're, I mean, but wherever you are, you would have access to it as opposed to being, um, say, in a particular service provider in a particular area to get it. Uh, is that something that's happening? Is that part of 5G or is that something that is in store for us? Um, that, that, 
So municipalities delivering uh, connectivity is not a new thing. There's lots of municipalities that are talking about it. Um, e even in that, um, in that sort of use, uh, Crown Castle still builds out that infrastructure for, for municipalities. So we lay the fiber into the ground that may connect you know, their buildings in the school districts, et cetera. In fact, we do that quite often. Um, but, but as a matter of uh, efficiency and, and, and being able to have the best delivery, uh, we believe that companies like ours, Crown Castle, that we have the expertise in that. Um, what, what people don't realize is that uh, that infrastructure needs to continually be updated. Often there are outages or there are um, you know, accidents like people hit poles and we need to immediately react to those demands. And, and our company is poised to be able to do that. So when we own the infrastructure, uh, we're just not um, the owner, but we also maintain it, we upgrade it, um, and we uh, you know, fulfill the needs of all the clients that are on our infrastructure. The reason I say that, by the way, is, is typically municipalities aren't set up to be able to to do those tasks for an infrastructure, and so even though you know they may want to have it built, delivering uh, broadband, for instance, uh, you know there's a whole bunch of different components to being able to to give that service. So, Mark, you had mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking before the podcast that you actually work with many of the western states. I, I can't remember how many states you said you were uh, handling. How does California compare to those other states as far as our our networks and our infrastructure? Well, um, so so I had told you earlier, I'm the public affairs manager for the Western region. So our region has roughly 13 states. So I kind of oversee the public affairs for all of those regions. And so I'm familiar with many markets, not just here in California. Um, we're, we're building everywhere. I mean, uh, the, the issue is not that people don't want it. Uh, really, for us, the issue is that the demand is here now. And so because of that and in light of our immediate changes during the crisis is that we need, we need to build it immediately. And so municipality to municipality, really, the issue is uh, what's the process and how long does the process take? Uh, for instance, here in California, uh, I, I, I imagine it's throughout the whole region, but typically it takes anywhere from 24 to 36 months to actually deploy the infrastructure, um, you know, after the contract comes in. And so the three years. So we're talking about three years and the demand is here now. So three years is too long. And so what we've been trying to do from state to state is we're trying to work with municipalities and work with state legislators to find a way to uh, legislate uh, the way that uh, we are able to deploy. And we are uh, really the intent of that is to streamline it so that we can um, deliver that infrastructure as soon as possible. You know, in, in uh, Sacramento, Whenever you hear the word streamline in the legislature, immediately you think of regulatory hurdles are being waived or eased or put out of the way, usually environmental. It usually involves construction of public projects or something. But when you say streamline, what's involved in, stream, in the kind of streamlining you want? What does that mean? Well, let me give you a for instance. So you know, presently, we have been working with uh, Senator Lena Gonzalez on, on a bill, SB 1206. And that specifically talks about a new technology called micro-trenching. And so, as you can probably Im imagine, and I'm sure you've seen, that traditionally when trenching is done on a city 
street or a public right of way, uh, it's very intrusive. We break up the street, we put metal plates over it when we're not working, it disrupts not only the traffic, but also the businesses that are along that corridor. You know, there's, a, there's just a bunch of disruption that happens and it takes weeks in order for us to deploy using traditional trenching. So the new technology for micro trenching, it's 80% faster than traditional trenching. And so unlike before when we needed to break up a whole street, um, we can now uh, do a cut in the street that's only two inches wide and about a foot to two foot deep. We're able to lay a conduit into that trench and we're able to put um, hundreds and hundreds of fiber lines through that conduit. And the, the beauty of it is that it takes a day or two for it to be completed. So we lay the conduit, we backfill it, we cover it with the appropriate cover for, for a public street. And um, within a day or two, it's ready to be driven on and, and work, uh, you know, and used. And so, so for us, you know, we, we talk about how it's very possible that in some municipalities who are, are you know, embracing micro trenching that when we uh, we can allow on a street that we're going to do trenching on we can allow the morning traffic to go through and then we start our micro trenching and it's filled by the time traffic comes back for people to come home so it's less intrusive it uh it saves time um it's um you know it's less disruptive it reduces the noise and the lane closures there's so many advantages to that and we would like to see micro trenching used throughout the state so that uh, you know we can lay that and deploy that infrastructure equitably throughout all the municipalities in california and that would be a great goal that we have to accomplish is there some goal excuse me is there some obstacle to that now do is there some uh, a negative view of micro trenching from some of the municipalities from the state that you have to get around is that what's going on well at least for us what's most difficult is that there's a patchwork of regulation now so you know we may go to one uh -huh. city and be able to deploy it and the the next city over is prohibiting micro trenching and so that makes it difficult because you know to to build out a a, a robust network it's not just um, built within one city it's built between multiple cities. And so, you know, that, that becomes difficult if we can build in one city and we can't build it in the next. Uh, I mean, you asked about uh, why, why people may not uh, have, you know, agreed to use micro-trenching. And it's really a historical reason. Um, you know, there have been uh, other times in the past where micro-trenching uh, was introduced and it was an old technology. Uh, the Some, some municipalities felt like, um, that the integrity of it wasn't where they wanted it to be. Um, but, but this new micro trenching, it's a new technology. It's a new state of the art equipment. We've done many tests on it. In fact, we've, um, we've done demonstrations in LA, for instance, to show the integrity and the efficiency of what we do. And in fact, after we did that demonstration, the city of LA decided to adopt our micro trenching ordinance. And so we are actively deploying uh, fiber networks uh, in the city of Los Angeles. So we would love to have that happen in all the places. We feel like the best way to do that is to, you know, find a, a agreeable state legislation that everyone can jump on and feel good about um, so that we can begin to build our infrastructure throughout the state. Well, one last question, Mark. Um, what is the next big hurdle uh, for broadband in California? What is the next big step along the way as we approach a a greater broadband future. 
Well, I, what I, we've been talking about is, uh, is certainly that the demand is here and that we would love to be able to uh, talk about uh, our deployment issues on the state level so that we can have a cohesive uh, regulation throughout um, the state that is not only uh, beneficial to us, but beneficial to all of the constituents and all the municipalities that are asking for that uh, demand to be met. And so um, we're going to be working closely with uh, with not only legislators, but city councils and city managers about um, what makes sense in those cities. Uh, we're working really hard to land on um, uh, ordinances that will address the immediate deployment that's appropriate and agreeable. And um, hopefully um, we can build that out as fast as possible. And, and, and the reason we're starting with this fiber deployment and, and working out the bugs on that is because in reality, the backbone to the whole infrastructure that delivers the Internet to all of our communities and cities, it's built upon that fiber backbone. So you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about small cells and towers, but, but in a nutshell, um, without that fiber, um, we really couldn't even have that conversation because they all rely on us building out that, that infrastructure that um, reaches everyone and is equitable for everyone. Okay, fair enough. Mark Ian, thank you very much for being with us today and chatting with us. Tim Foster, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Sean. And this is John Howard saying we will see you next time around. Thanks again.